Where the hell have you been, soldier? Training, sir! Training, sir! What kind of training, son? Pizza training, sir! Hey gang, welcome to episode number 117, Believe It or Not. We might jump into a book on this episode. I am Sam with Fowler Consulting. And I am Drew Helmel with Better Than Yesterday Consulting. And after further review, uh, it is Smooth Jazz Drew and Sam, and we are going to do a book. So Lucas, hit us with Burgess Meredith. Books, books, all the books I'll need. All the books, all the books I'll ever want. I want to start by saying that the delay in episodes for the book review is primarily my fault because I am no longer capable of reading a book and I don't do like you do a lot of audiobooks and I, I can't focus my attention for the audiobooks. Plus you're in your car a lot, whereas I'm, I'm, I'm just not, I, I have a really hard time with the audiobooks. So I read still because I like to note pages up and bookmark stuff and and there's like post-it notes all through my books. And this book broke me. I needed to upgrade my reading, my glasses because of this book. And it didn't work out well. And the glasses had to go back because I couldn't drive with the new prescription. And this just took me a really long time to get through. So thank you for, for dealing with my old ageism, with my, my, my poor eyesight eyes, and what now seems like 15 or 20 years of staring at screens that has broken me of being able to read anything near arm's length so thanks for thanks for putting up with me and delaying this book review until i could actually do something like nearly read the book so the book broke you which is interesting because the name of the book is first break all the rules perhaps the name of the book should be and second break drew yes that would be perfectly fine so let's dive into this marcus buckingham book then sam sure let's do it so a little uh, backstory on why we're doing this book. For those of you that have been around a minute and have had the opportunity to go to a little soiree called the Worldwide Rally, some of you may remember some years ago, and I don't remember the date exactly, but it was in the early 2000s, we had the keynote speaker scheduled and through no fault of the speakers or dominoes, there was a huge scheduling conflict. Conflict. There's some extra syllables there for you. Good job on the syllables. And the uh, speaker had to back out at the last minute. So the great folks in the communications department who just put on great rallies all the time had to scramble. And they were able to get this gentleman because he was available and I happened to be in the crowd when he was speaking. And his name is Marcus Buckingham. He worked for Gallup for many, many years. And then he went out on his own. And he and his cohort, Kurt Kaufman, put together this book. And he actually spoke to us about this book from the stage. And the book is First Break All the Rules. And the rules that they're speaking of in this book are what some might call the conventional thinking when it comes to leadership. So, uh, Drew, I'll let you jump in there as I collect my next thoughts. 
Sam had mentioned that Marcus came from the Gallup organization, and that's where this was bred out of. They were looking for the commonalities that great managers have that the average don't. And for someone like me who likes human performance improvement, if you can figure out what the gap is, you can go back to those that are average and say, this is what the best do. If you do it, you can be the best too, because correlation is actually causation in this standpoint. Correlation is causation. Wow. Generally, correlation is not causation, but in this case, it is. Was I just throwing too many syllables out? Like, um, I apologize. There were any, yeah, but it's okay. It fits there. Um, The idea here was they were looking for that silver bullet for leadership. They were looking for great leaders take good care of their teams or great leaders train their teams. And what they found was, well, the opposite. Do you want to explain the four? Um, the four keys, or would you like me to? You're on a roll, brother. Hit it hard. There's the the common perceptions, right? The common perceptions being that I can make my team better. I can change my team. That I can just keep adding stuff to my team. I can I can train them and I can grow them. And they start as a small ball of putty, and I can make them the world's greatest insert thing here. Yes. Weaknesses are bad, and we must work on the weaknesses. Yes. I can't remember what the fourth is. I didn't mark that page, but I I was going by the opposites because, well, what they found was the opposite, that great leaders do these four things. And I'm going to say this not to spoil the book, because this is really early on in the book and the rest of the book explains it. But the four things that great leaders do is that they understand these things. People don't change that much. Don't waste time trying to put what was left out. Try to draw out what was left in and that that is hard enough. And if you think about it, and this is where I kind of wanted to go, like this is like relationship 101 stuff, right? If, if you've ever heard those relationship things, if you're talking about um, fixing your partner or if your partner would just change, I would love them more, it's not going to happen and you're, you're doing something to damage the relationship. And yet in management, we're like, hey, by the way, that's totally what you should do. I think this book came after Strength Finders, but this is where that whole Clifton strengths finders comes from and Gallup uses that instead because the the premise is if we can identify what your strength is one people like doing what they're good at and two people hate being told they're bad at things and then trying to learn how to fix something you're bad at is just tedious so if you want to do that cool but the idea here is we're going to find out what you're good at and we're going to have you do what you're good at and we're going to magnify that because that is hard enough So they go on in the book and they talk about this bringing out the best in people and find what you're good at and do better at it. And Drew, it's been my experience that when I get tasked with something I'm excited about or something that I think I'm good at, I tend to excel at it. I tend to take it to the next level. I tend to find the very best version of myself. Whereas when I'm tasked with things that I don't necessarily like to do, that's when this thing called procrastination comes into play. And what I distinctly remember Marcus talking about when he was up on the stage and he was talking about this book is, you know, conventional wisdom says if, if Joey doesn't like or can't do or doesn't have an understanding of doing inventory, then we should sit him down until he can. 
why don't we schedule somebody to close that does enjoy inventory, that does enjoy being precise, that does enjoy looking at the excessive variance report so that we've got the right people in the right places. You know, you and I both like love the sports analogies. I mean, why would I put a six foot three, 330 pound offensive lineman and line him up in the slot to be a deep threat? It's just not going to happen. And I remember Mark Marcus specifically saying, you know, if we work on the things we're bad at, we can go from sucking to not sucking so much. Whereas if we work on the things we're good at, we can go from being good at them to potentially being world-class at them, to potentially being the best. And if you look at people that are the very best in their fields, they understand this. They understand what it is that drives them, what they like, and what they're going to work on so that they can become the very best at it. And then they surround themselves with people that like things that they don't necessarily like to do. That's not to say that you're ever going to find a job where the only thing you have to do is the things you like. That's just not going to happen. There's always going to be stuff that we have to get done. As leaders, we have an exceptional opportunity to, to surround ourselves with people that are better at the things that we're not good at. You know, I love spreadsheets. I love to use them. I love the information that they can bring to me, but I'm not necessarily great at creating them and understanding the formulas that go behind the cells. But I, but I know folks, I, I know what my desired outcome is. And then, you know, I, I delegate that work to them. And then together we come up with something great. I had the idea, they knew how to put it together and so forth. And I really love how he goes about talking about that in this book, that finding your strengths is the key. I couldn't find it and I found the conventional wisdom. I remember why I didn't mark this because part of me didn't want to bring it up on the podcast because conventional wisdom, according to him, and I'm going to quote for a minute, conventional wisdom encourages you to one, select a person based on his experience, intelligence, or determination. Two, set expectations by defining the right steps. Three, motivate the person by helping identify and overcome their weakness. Four, develop the person by helping them learn and get promoted. Well, that leadership style according to all the Gallup research, doesn't get you to great. It gets you to suck less. And I didn't highlight that because I didn't want to bring it up on the podcast because, Sam, what do you and I mostly talk about? We talk about expectations. However, I want to back up a second because a lot of what we actually talk about is moving from generalization and training everyone on everything to specialization and training them on what they're good at. And that's key to understand where you're going with this. So. So continue. I think we can all agree that some people are extroverted and some people are introverted. Is that a fair statement? I think that's a fair statement. So why would you put the introvert who does not feel like dealing with people on your front counter? Why would you put the extrovert that likes dealing with people on your make line on dough? Correct. Maybe it's their secondary work because you only got two or three people. I get that. But, but put the extrovert on your front counter. It's cool. It's okay. They want to be there. They want to interact with people. They want to high five the little 18 month old that gets carried in by, by daddy to pick up pizza. Like they want to interact with those people. The introvert is terrified to grab that phone. Correct. And you telling them that they're first to phones tonight has made them dread the next three hours. And let's think about this deeper. I think that if my skill set is tasks A, B, and C, 
if your skill sets don't match with those, sometimes as leaders, I think there's something wrong with you because you can't do the things I can do. We're human beings and we have different skills. We have different desires. We have different strengths. And this was the whole DISC issue, right? Because in DISC, you have people who are dominant uh, influencers, S, which nobody remembers because you just run them over, and then Cs, which is conscientious. I was making a joke for those of you that follow DISC. And by the way, I have high S tendencies. High S? Really? High I? Oh, I don't know. I was just trying to be funny. Been so long since I did the disc profile. You're you're high I. It's fine. Um, but but my my point to this is if if you're a high D, which a lot of people at Domino's, especially in leadership roles, are because it's a result oriented, goal focused company, and people that get results tend to want to get the results. Then you have you have a group that has high D tendencies, and so you introduce a trainer who says things like, "How can I help you? How can I support you?" And that person sounds like a pushover because they're not trying to get to the goal and there must be something wrong with them. And I've been in a room where we had a conversation about a fabulous person that Sam, you and I both knew years ago or no, and they couldn't possibly be a future leader because they're too soft. And it's not that at all. It's that their strength is just different from the person making that decision. And, and that's where that's where this starts to come in, right? Like we've got to put the right people on the right seat on the right bus. I'm a huge fan of setting expectations because we need expectations solely from a, if there are no expectations, I don't know what a good job is. And I don't, I, I can't get rewarded. I can't get recognized. Like I have to be here for something more than to just clock in, clock out and get whatever you think you should be paying. me. Because if that's the case, I'm going to keep looking around for somewhere that's going to pay me more. Correct. This book gets into if, I take this person who smiles through the interview and they have this great attitude. I can train them on everything I need them to do. And that training is probably going to be customer focused. Yes. And if I have that offensive lineman who is an introvert, but they've got the sports ball mentality, man, they're going on the make line and you're going to crush this and we're going to set some goals on the make line and you're just going to attack it. And you might not speak for three hours. And it's cool. You know, and I think you and I see this in stores all the time. People say, well, I can't be like you. I, I, I can't do that. Well, you don't have to do it the way I do it. You don't have to do it the way Drew does it. You have to find your comfort zone where you can lead and be effective. I've seen very quiet leaders be very, very effective. I would not consider myself a quiet leader. You and I do fundamentally the same thing, right? We stand in front of a group and we try and transfer some knowledge to the group. You and I are very different as it, this podcast hopefully shows, right? We are very different in the way we approach things. You, you have said like you're, you're the detail oriented person. You're looking for uh, the edit part of it. And man, I, I just don't have patience for edits anymore. Like, there's so much stuff. I miss so many things because it's in my head. I'm like, you know what? Just get it out. Just get it out. Because if somebody's expecting perfect, nothing is. And I can, I could just go. And it creates this. It's not worse. It's not better. It's just different. And it's the same in the stores, man. I don't want you to lead the way I want to. I don't want you to lead as a district manager the way I would. I, I need you to be you. What I'm going to show you are some processes that can help you. Hey you know, you should probably follow up a lot. If you're not good at follow-up, the supervisor job is going to be miserable 
because you're going to be forcing yourself every day. Oh my God, what did I promise yesterday? What do I have to do today? You're going to be miserable. Yeah. You've got to find your own leadership style. You know, one of the things in the book that I really loved were the 13 core statements that they talked about. And this is a way to identify whether or not you're a good leader, whether or not your team members are happy. And have we ever talked about expectations? I mean, core statement number two, I know what is expected of me at work. Here's a a challenge for episode number 117. First of all, I I would grab the book and I would read it. I'm just going to give you that right now. Grab the book, read it. I think it's a good read. I agree with that statement. We'll get to where it goes later. Short of that, I would simply ask each and every one of your team members on the next shift, do you know what's expected of yourself on tonight's shift? And see what they say. And I think that will be surprising to you. And for the ones that give you answers, I would take it to course statement number three. And it says, I have the materials and equipment I need to do my work right and find out if they have the materials and equipment I need to do my work right. You remember a friend of the show and Mount Rushmore for me, Mike Rompel, when we interviewed him and he said he started to look at the business through the eyes of his 10-year-old son, Nico. And if I was going to deliver pizzas in Salt Lake City and it was snowing, do I have what I need? And gosh, maybe we should order some knit hats. And as I'm delivering pizzas, do I have the tools I need? And maybe all the company cars we buy should have keyless entry to make it easier. And maybe all the hot bags we have should have the little windows on them for a place to put the receipt. I think the higher we got to get up in leadership, there's a real huge opportunity for us to become disconnected with those that are on the front lines and what they need to be successful. You know, if we've changed them to cutting edge, and we've given them cutters that don't stay sharp or aren't heavy enough to actually cut through the pizza. And then we start wondering why our customer care issues are going up and people are saying the pizzas aren't cut. Maybe it's because we're disconnected and we haven't given our team members the materials and equipment they need. I think I've shared this on the podcast before. When I took my uh, training for, from ATD for Master Performance Consultant, there was a capstone project you had to do and you had to do like the project had to be six to eight weeks in length. I had to document everything I was doing. I had to file a report both with the participants of the project and then with ATD so I could get my certification. And so at the time I still worked for corporate. So I picked a corporate market and I said, Hey, uh, directors, I need to do this project. Are any of you willing? I had one person say, sure. What is it? And I'm like, what is it you need? You tell me what you need. And then, I'll give you a plan to fix it. And the director's like, no, it's gotta be more than that. I'm like, no, really? That's it. So director's like, uh, my service. Thing. I'm like, cool. I go in and I do the things I'm supposed to do. I interview the best managers at service in the market. I interview some average managers at service in the market. I observe the average. I observe the best. And I take all of this data and I put it into a report and I prioritize the items in the report from easiest with highest impact to hardest with lowest impact. The number one item that all the best had that the average didn't was they had enough cans and tubs to make it through their dinner rush without having to do dishes. And when I presented this, I was yelled at by some people who are no longer with the brand because they're like, do you know how much it's going to cost us to do that? I'm like, do you know you're asking them to do a job that you're that they're never going to perform unless you give them this? I'd like you to go play football, Sam, but I'm not going to give you a football (laughs) or a field. 
understand folks that, that Sam and I are trainers and, and that's what we do. And there's a lot of things that need training and there's a lot of things that don't actually need training. And, and sometimes it is just, do we give them the tools? And then it maybe is, do they, do they understand how to use the tools? Do the tools always work in the old days when that label printer would die on a Friday night? Oh my. You just wanted to throw it out the window, crawl into a ball and cry. And yet when the company was like, we're going to take the label printers away, people like, whoa, right. I need the label printer. Break all the rules. Does your team have what's needed? And, and don't franchisees, don't ask your supervisors because your supervisors don't know. That is correct. Supervisors, don't ask your GM because your GMs don't know. That is likely correct. Ask the driver that's doing dishes. Ask the opening driver. Ask the closing driver. Ask the rush CSR. They're the ones that get stuck doing all the things that we are shorting them on. So you want to break all the rules, go to the people that are doing, not the people that are managing the doing. Absolutely. Which is a great challenge, by the way, to, to ask the team what's expected, because that's exactly what you're doing, right? I'm not going to the manager. You're going right to the team that, that's doing and asking. So fabulous challenge. That might be in the podcast description. There you go. Here's, here's some more of these, these core statements that I think are just amazing. Core statement number four, at work. I have the opportunity to do what I do best every day. Imagine if your team members had the opportunity to do what they're best at. What's the likelihood that they come back again tomorrow if you allowed them to do what they're best at? Number five, in the last seven days, I have received recognition or praise for doing good work. Oh my goodness gracious. You know, if we were in a workshop right now and I were in front of people, I would say, Hey, by a show of hands, how many of you like to hear from the boss when you've done a good job? Everybody's hand goes up. And then I say, and guess who else wants to hear that? Your team. So I think that one is, is really important. Have we ever said that you can't lead people that you don't know? Once or twice. Yeah. Well, number six, my supervisor or someone at work seems to care about me as a person. I mean, this list goes on with other great questions. I'm not going to share them with you. You're going to have to go to Drew's website or my website and click on the Amazon link and help us make three cents and buy the book and read it. But, you know, this this book has got some really enlightening things. You have to go into the book with an open mind and be willing to think about things from a different perspective. I mean, after all, the name of the book is First Break All the Rules. So you've got to go into it with an open mind. Um, but, you know, I, I think there's some, some good things in here. When I was going through the core statements, my piece was I wanted to instantly, if I were doing uh, quarterly uh, employee engagement surveys, that would be my survey. These 13 statements. Yep. That would be my, that would be my quarterly engagement survey. If you answer no to the equipment or no to my expectation, I might do a, could you explain more? But that would be the extent of it. Like, like yes or no. And then can you explain more all optional and 13 questions? You could probably answer them in 30 seconds or less. And if there are a bunch of no's, it might take you longer. Oh my gosh, as a leader, the, the value in that of getting the feedback from the team, because it, it allows you to then recommunicate out, Hey, took the engagement survey and this is what we're going to do for this quarter to try and to try and whatever. 
make sure you have the the tools you need, make sure that your team is recognizing you, whatever. And that feedback is so important on both sides of the equation. I've got a good friend out in Pennsylvania that runs a business, not a pizza shop, it's something else. And we were out to dinner one night. He's having issues with one of his team members. And I said to him, I said, Chad, you got to talk to him. I mean, he knows there's issues too. And he's probably coming to work every day thinking to himself, is today the day? You owe it to your team members, first and foremost, to tell them what they're doing great. Everybody needs to hear that. When there is a gap in their level of execution versus your level of expectation, if you want to be a great leader, you've got to tell them that as well and give them the resources they need to close that gap and give them the coaching, maybe shoulder to shoulder or real time coaching that they need to fill those gaps. If you keep thinking to yourself, well, they'll get better, they'll get better, they'll get better, they'll get better. They're probably thinking to themselves, I'm not getting better. I'm not getting better. Am I going to get fired? Am I going to get fired? And neither one of those things are good if you want to have world-class experiences for your Domino's Pizza customers. So we've got to make sure that that happens. We've done a small disservice to the book, Sam. Let's, let's help our listeners out for just a moment. This is not a fable. This is a book like Atomic Habits where you don't need to read it cover to cover. You probably need to read the first 100, 150 pages to get the gist of it. But then the other parts of it are a manual, how to interview for it, how to select people, how to, how to train performance management. Like, so this, this isn't a cover to cover book. This isn't a, um, listen while you're driving store to store book. This is a, get the introduction done and understand what the concept is, and then go through the manual component piece by piece. That's important to know because Sam, you and I have to try and read through it. And, and I don't know how many team members you have on your team. I don't think I'm firing my social media managing daughter at this moment. And I know, I know I'm not firing my CFO wife either. So I also know that there are different conversations I have with them that mostly are not really work related for you and I, this book, there isn't a lot we can do with it real time as we're reading. Is that a fair way to put it? I'm on board for our listeners. You guys, there is a lot you can use. If you're managing a team today, you can take this and do something with it immediately. If you're a store manager and your franchise doesn't do an employee engagement survey, you can take the core statements, the 13 of them, and you can do your own employee engagement survey in seconds. If you're a supervisor, you can go through this list and go, oh my gosh, am I, am I putting my team in the right spot? Do I, do I have the people who, everybody has the, the person that, that questions the new rollout and the person that dives in and does the new rollout. So why are you putting the new rollout in the questionable person store? Put it in the person that dives in and gives you feedback. Like, like use your team the way they want to be used. And you can go through this book section by section and it'll help you figure out how to do that. Even if it means having to select people to be on your team, because you may need to do that. That summed it up really nicely. Good job, man. First break all the rules. And I'm going to tell you where I'm putting this book. It's uh, going to be where it's been for quite some time, and that's on the shelf. I think it's a good one to revisit. I think that exactly what you said, it goes through and tells you how to do it. There's data, there's meta-analysis, there's all kinds of good stuff in it. It is not a real page turner for me, 
um, because as you have said, and I have said many times, we like the fables, but I think it's a great read and I think it will help open your, your eyes to new ideas and new ways of thinking and new ways of leading. So for me, it's uh, on the shelf. How about you? So mine is actually two places. Uh, one, wow. the last episode we mentioned the little uh, Graham thing. Uh, I have a contest going on the Graham that I'm going to give away a book of the person's choice randomly. Um, every hundred followers, I'll do another book giveaway. Wow. And how many tens of books have you given away already? I have, which is kind of nice. So um, let's let's keep that going. So this is going to be on my shelf, but it's going to be on my reading list, which means uh, the next hundred, uh, it's one of the books that you can win. And all you got to do is uh, follow me on Instagram at BTY Consulting, and we'll do a book giveaway every hundred new followers. I like it. Would it would it be bad if I offered up the same thing? A book giveaway to a hundred followers? I don't I don't know if I have a hundred followers. Oh, you know what? I do I've got like this is not a subtle brag. This is a oh my god, I can't believe this happened. But you may remember the video from Canada. Yes. I think I went from seven followers to twenty two hundred over the course of two weeks because of that silly little pizza making video. You are you are popular in the Canadas. But those followers are not because of anything we've done on this podcast. They're just they're just followers. I'm gonna leave it at that. So uh yeah. So get the book. All right, on the shelf for both. This has been episode 117. And this is an odd episode, Sam. So instead of me saying it because you're laughing, why don't you say it? Please. For the love of pizza, like us, follow us, share us with your friends. And for the third week in a row, and yet we still have not seen one, would love to see somebody rent an airplane with the banner behind it going over your local college football game that says, listen to Drew and Sam talk training. Make sure you put the QR code up there so people can get it from the stands of the big house or whatever house they happen to be at. And uh, I am still Sam with Bowser Consulting. And I am Drew with Better Than Yesterday Consulting. Go out and sell more pizza. And have... More <laughs> That's all, folks.